Hey everybody, thanks so much for listening to this podcast. I hope it's really helping you grow in the Lord. But I just wanted to take a second just to talk about this great tool that I've been using to bring the Word of God to people. Anchor is a tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And when hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast to listening platforms like Spotify and Apple Podcasts and a lot more. So it's really been helping me reach people that I can't go to their house and actually teach them a Bible study. So it's everything you need in the podcast in one place. The best of all, Anchor, and it's totally free. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome to the Word Bible Study with Pastor Dan. And I'm here with the family again. Hi. We got Saul King, Hi. Victor Alexander, and Candy. Good morning. And we are ready to go through some more in the book of Luke. Amen. You guys excited about this? Yeah. We're starting in chapter 9 today. So here we go, starting in verse 1. Jesus is about to send out the 12 disciples. One day, Jesus called together the 12 disciples and gave them power and authority to cast out all demons and to heal all diseases. Then he sent them out to tell everyone about the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Take nothing for your journey, he instructed them. Don't take a walking stick, a traveler's bag, food or money, or even a change of clothes. Wherever you go, stay in the same house until you leave town. And if a town refuses to welcome you, shake its dust from your feet as you leave to show that you have abandoned these people to their fate. So they began their circuit of the villages, preaching the good news and healing the sick. When Herod Antipas, the ruler of Galilee, heard about everything Jesus was doing, he was puzzled. Some were saying that John the Baptist has been raised from the dead. Others thought Jesus was Elijah or one of the other prophets risen from the dead. I beheaded John, Herod said, so who is this man about whom I hear such stories? And he kept trying to see him. When the apostles returned, they told Jesus everything they had done. Then he slipped quietly away with them toward the town of Bethsaida. But the crowds found out where he was going, and they followed him. He welcomed them and taught them about the kingdom of God, and he healed those who were sick. Late in the afternoon, the twelve disciples came to him and said, Send the crowds away to the nearby villages and farms so they can find food and lodging for the night. There's nothing to eat here in this remote place. But Jesus said, You feed them. But we have only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Or are you expecting us to go and buy enough food for the whole crowd? For there were about 5,000 men there. Jesus replied, tell them to sit and down in groups of about 50 each. So the people all sat down and Jesus took the five loaves and two fish, looked up towards heaven and blessed them. And breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread and the fish to the disciples so they could distribute it to the people. They all ate as much as they wanted, and afterwards the disciples picked up twelve baskets of leftovers. One day Jesus left the crowd to pray alone. 
Only his disciples were with him, and he asked them, Who do people say I am? Well, they replied, Some say you're John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say you are one of the other ancient prophets risen from the dead. Then he asked them, But who do you say I am? And Peter replied, You are the Messiah sent from God. And Jesus warned his disciples not to tell anyone who he was. The Son of Man must suffer many terrible things, he said. He will be rejected by the elders and leading priests and the teachers of religious law. He will be killed, but on the third day he will be raised from the dead. Then he said to the crowd, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world and are yourself lost or destroyed? If anyone is ashamed of me and my message, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in his glory and in the glory of the Father and the holy angels. I tell you the truth. Some standing here right now will not die before they see the kingdom of God. About eight days later, Jesus took Peter, John, and James up on the mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face was transformed and his clothes became dazzling white. You guys imagine that? All of a sudden, boom, he was changed and his face was glowing. And suddenly two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared and began talking with Jesus. They were glorious to see, and they were speaking about his exodus from this world, which was about to be fulfilled in Jerusalem. Peter and the others had fallen asleep. When they woke up, they saw Jesus' glory and the two men standing with him. As Moses and Elijah were were starting to leave, Peter, not even knowing what he was saying, blurted out, Master, it's wonderful for us to be here. Let's make three shelters as memorials. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Is that how he said it? Yes. (laughs) But even as he was saying this, a cloud overshadowed them, and terror gripped them as the cloud covered them. And a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. And when the voice was finished, Jesus was standing there alone. And they didn't tell anyone at that time what they had seen. Wow. The next day after they had come down from the mountain, a large crowd met Jesus. A man in the crowd called out to him, Teacher, I beg you to look at my son, my only child. An evil spirit keeps seizing him, making him scream. And it throws him into convulsions so that he foams at the mouth. It batters him and hardly ever leaves him alone. I begged your disciples to cast out the spirit, but they couldn't do it. And Jesus said, you faithless and corrupt people, how long must I be with you and put up with you? Then he said to the man, bring your son here. As the boy came forward, the demon knocked him to the ground and threw him into a violent convulsion. But Jesus rebuked the evil spirit and healed the boy. Then he gave him back to his father. Awe gripped the people as they saw the majestic display of God's power. While everyone was marveling at everything 
he was doing, Jesus said to his disciples, Listen to me and remember what I say. The Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of his enemies. But they didn't know what he meant. Its significance was hidden from them, so they couldn't understand it, and they were afraid to ask him about it. Then his disciples began arguing about which of them was the greatest. Do you guys ever do that? What? Ever argue about which one of you are the greatest? Um, I think I Yeah, a simple yes will do. <laughs> but Jesus knew their thoughts, so he brought a little child to his side. Then he said to them, Anyone who becomes a little child like this on my behalf welcomes me. And anyone who welcomes me also welcomes my Father who sent me. Whoever is the least among you is the greatest. So there's your answer, guys. Whichever one of you guys is the smallest is actually the greatest. Yeah, I'm the smallest. <laughs> now you're both going to argue over who's the smallest? I'm the smallest. So. <laughs> I am. All right, so John said to Jesus. Hold on, I'm going to go on. So John said to Jesus, Master, we saw someone using your name to cast out demons, but we told him to stop because he isn't in our group. But Jesus said, don't stop him. Anyone who is not against you is for you. As the time drew near for him to ascend into heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. He sent messengers ahead of him into Samaritan village to prepare for his arrival. But the people of the village did not welcome Jesus because he was on his way to Jerusalem. When James and John saw this, they said to Jesus, Lord, should we call down fire from heaven and burn them up? But Jesus turned and rebuked them, so they went on to another village. As they were walking along, someone said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. But Jesus replied, Foxes have dens to live in, and birds have nests. But the Son of Man has no place even to lay his head. He said to another person, Come, follow me. And the man agreed, but he said, Lord, first let me return home and bury my father. But Jesus told him, Let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. Your duty is to go preach about the kingdom of God. Another said, Yes, Lord, I will follow you, but first let me say goodbye to my family. But Jesus told him, Anyone who puts their hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. Chapter 10, guys. The Lord now chose 72 other disciples and sent them ahead in pairs to all the towns and places he had planned to visit. These were his instructions to them. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. Now go and remember that I am sending you out as lambs among wolves. Don't take any money with you, nor a traveler's bag, nor an extra pair of sandals. Don't even stop to greet anyone on the road. Whenever you enter someone's home, first say, May God's peace be on you at this house. If those who live in there are peaceful, the blessing will stand. If they are not, the blessing will return to you. Don't move around from home to home. Stay in one place, eating and drinking what they provide. Don't hesitate to accept hospitality, because those who work deserve their pay. If you enter a town and it welcomes you, eat whatever is set before you. 
heal the sick, and tell them the kingdom of God is near to you now. But if a town refuses to welcome you, go out into the streets and say, we wipe even the dust of your town from our feet to show that we are have abandoned you to your fate. And know this, the kingdom of God is near. I assure you, even wicked Sodom will be better off than such a town on Judgment Day. What sorrow awaits you, Chorazin and Bethsaida? For if the miracles had been done in you, had been done in wicked Tyre and Sidon, their people would have repented of their sins long ago, clothing themselves in burlap and throwing ashes on their head to show their remorse. Yes, Tyre and Sidon will be better off on Judgment Day than you. And you, people of Capernaum, will you be honored in heaven? No, you will go down to the place of the dead. Then he said to his disciples, Anyone who accepts your message is also accepting me, and anyone who rejects you is rejecting me, and anyone who rejects me is rejecting God who sent me. When the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. Yes, he told them, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Look, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy, and you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. But don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. At the same time, Jesus was filled with joy of the Holy Spirit, and he said, O Father in heaven and earth, thank you for hiding these things from those who think themselves wise and clever, and for revealing them to the childlike. Yes, Father, it pleased you to do it in this way. My Father has entrusted everything to me, no one truly knows the Son except the Father, and no one truly knows the Father except the Son, and those whom the Son cho chooses to reveal Him. Then, when they were alone, He turned to the disciples and said, Blessed are the eyes that see what you have seen. I tell you, many prophets and kings long to see what you see, but they didn't see it. And they long to hear what you hear, but they didn't hear it. One day, an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? And the man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him, do this and you will live. The man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And Jesus replied with a story. Here we go. I love when Jesus tells stories. Mm -hmm. So listen to this, guys. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the rose. So this was a bunch of gangsters. They attacked him. By choice, or by choice, by chance, a priest came along. But when he saw the man lying there, 
he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him laying there, but he also passed on the other side of the road. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn, where he took care of him. The next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, Take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Now which of these three would you say is was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by the bandits or gangsters in today's talk? What do you guys think? Which one was the neighbor? Was it the religious leader who just walked by on the other side of the road? Yeah. No. Yeah. Was it the second guy who walked by on the side of the road? Or was it the guy who actually picked him up and cared for yeah, him? Yeah, who actually... And took him to the hospital and took care of him. The guy that I cared for. Saul, you're thinking really hard about that. It's number three, of course. Yeah. Who's the better neighbor? The person who cares oh, for you? I thought you said who's the... Yeah, the, the guy's real neighbor is the person who cares for him. So let's see what Jesus said. The men replied, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. So that's what Jesus tells us to do, to go and do the same. As Jesus and his disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught, but Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister is just sitting there while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. That sounds like some sometimes how you guys act, huh? How come my brother's doing that? Help, help me. That sounds like... They they love their other son more than the one son. Well, listen what Jesus says. These are two sisters, and they're arguing. But then the Lord said to her, My dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about, and Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. What did she What did she discover that was more important? Jesus. Yeah, she was worried about Jesus. She wasn't worried about cooking the food or cleaning the house. She realized that Jesus was in her house. Don't you guys think if Jesus was in our house right now that we wouldn't care so much about other things that we were worried about? Yeah. I think well, we could stop playing Fortnite for a little bit if well, Jesus shows up, right? Play with oh, you're going to invite him to play with you? <laughs> All right, let's go on to chapter 11. Once Jesus was in a certain place praying as he finished one of his disciples came to him and said lord teach us to pray just as john taught his disciples so jesus said this is how you should pray so here we should pay attention everybody this is how we should pray father may your name be kept holy may your kingdom come soon 
and give us each day food we need and forgive our sins as we forgive those who sin against us and don't let us yield until t- unto temptation i got to read this in the king james version because i'm so used to quoting it that way which goes our father which art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done as it is in heaven so in earth give us day by day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we also forgive everyone who has indebted to us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil i think that's a lot better well said then teaching them more about prayer he used this story here's a story about prayer suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight so think about this it's midnight and we go over our friend's house wanting to borrow three loaves of bread So we need some bread. You say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit and I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom. Don't bother me. The door is locked for the night and my family and I are all in bed. I can't help you. So you go over your friend's house at midnight just to borrow some bread and that's what he yells out to you. But I tell you this. Though he won't do it for his friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. So that's how Jesus said we should pray. Don't be afraid to keep asking God for something. God probably enjoys it because it might be the only time some people spend with him is when they're asking for stuff. And and, And so I tell you, Keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and everyone who seeks finds, and everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Your fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Have I ever done that to you guys? Well, Saul asked for a snake, and we gave him a snake, didn't we? Yeah, I And if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? So when Victor wants an egg in the morning, have I ever given you a scorpion? I'd love to eat a scorpion. Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? You hear that? So Victor, we've been asking for the Holy Ghost for you. That says right here that God will give it to you. One day Jesus cast out a demon from a man who couldn't speak. And when the demon was gone, the man began to speak. And the crowds were amazed. But some of them said, no wonder he can cast out demons. He gets his power from Satan, the prince of demons. Others, trying to test Jesus, demanded that he show them a miraculous sign from heaven to prove his authority. He knew their thoughts, so he said, Any kingdom divided by civil war is doomed. A family splintered by feuding will fall apart. You say I am empowered by Satan, 
But if Satan is divided and fighting against himself, how can his kingdom survive? And if I am empowered by Satan, what about your own exorcists? They cast out demons too, so they will condemn you for what you have said. But if I am casting out demons by the power of God, then the kingdom of God has arrived among you. For when a strong man is fully armed and guards his palace, his possessions are safe until someone even stronger attacks and overpowers him and strips him of his weapons and carries off his belongings. Anyone who isn't with me opposes me, and anyone who isn't working with me is actually working against me. Even an evil spirit leaves a person. It goes into the desert searching for rest, but when it finds none, it says, I'll return to the person I have come from. So it returns and finds that the former home is all swept and in order. Then the spirit finds seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they all enter the person and live there. And so the person is worse off than before. And he was speaking, as he was speaking, a woman in the crowd called out, God bless your mother, the womb from which you came, and the breast that you nursed. Jesus replied, But even more blessed are all who hear the word of God and put it into practice. As the crowd pressed in on Jesus, he said, This evil generation keeps asking me to show them a miraculous sign, but the only sign I will give them is the sign of Jonah. What happened to him was a sign to the people of Nineveh that God had sent him. What happens to the Son of Man will be assigned to those people that he was sent by God. The queen of Sheba will stand up against this generation on judgment day and condemn it. For she came from the distant land to hear the wisdom of Solomon. Now someone greater than Solomon is here, but you refuse to listen. The people of Nineveh will also stand up against this generation on judgment day and condemn it. For they repented of their sins at the preaching of Jonah, and now someone greater than Jonah is here, but you refuse to repent. No one lights a lamp and hides it or puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where its light can be seen by all who enter the house. Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when it is unhealthy, your body is filled with darkness. Make sure that the light you think you have is not actually darkness. If you are filled with light with no dark corners, then your whole life will be radiant as though a floodlight were filling you with light. That's powerful. As Jesus was speaking, one of the Pharisees invited him home for a meal so he went in and took his place at the table his host was amazed to see that he sat down to eat without first performing the hand washing ceremony required by jewish customs then the lord said to him you pharisees are so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish but inside you are filthy full of greed and wickedness fools didn't God make the inside as well as the outside? So clean the inside 
by giving gifts to the poor, and you will be clean all over. What sorrow awaits you, Pharisees, for you are careful to tithe even the tenth income from your herb gardens, but you ignore justice and the love of God. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. What sorrow awaits you, Pharisees, for you love to sit in the seats of honor in the synagogues and receive respectful greetings as you walk in the marketplaces. Yes, what sorrow awaits you, for you are like hidden graves in a field. People walk over them without knowing the corruption they are stepping on. Well, I do want to point out Jesus clearly said to tithe there. So, mm -hmm. people who say we shouldn't tithe, Jesus said to. Teacher, said an expert in religious law, you have insulted us too in what you just said. Yes, said Jesus, what sorrow also awaits you, experts in religious law, for you crush people with unbearable religious demands, and you never lift a finger to ease the burden. What sorrow awaits you, for you build monuments for the prophets your own ancestors killed long ago. But in fact, you stand as witness who agree with what your ancestors did. They killed the prophets, and you join in on their crime by building the monuments. This is what God, in his wisdom, said about you. I will send prophets and apostles to them, but they will kill some and persecute the others. As a result, this generation will be held responsible for the murders of all God's prophets from the creation of the world. From the murder of Abel to the murder of Zechariah, who was killed between the altar and the sanctuary. Yes, it will certainly be charged against this generation. What sorrow awaits you experts in religious law? For you remove the key to knowledge from the people. And don't enter the kingdom yourselves. And you prevent others from entering. As Jesus was leaving, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees became hostile and turned to provoke him with many questions. They wanted to trap him into saying something they could use against him. All right, continuing in chapter 12. Meanwhile, the crowds grew until thousands were milling about and stepping on each other. And Jesus turned first to his disciples and warned them, Beware of the yeast of the Pharisees, their hypocrisy. The time is coming when everything that is covered up will be revealed, and all that is secret will be made known to all. Whatever you have said in the dark will be heard in the light, and whatever you have whispered behind closed doors will be shouted from the rooftops for all to hear. Dear friends, don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot do any more to you after that. But I'll tell you whom to fear. Fear God who has the power to kill you and throw you into hell. Yes, he's the one to fear. What is the price of five sparrows, two copper coins? Yet God does not forget a single one of them. And the very hairs of your head have all been numbered. So don't be afraid. God knows every hair in your head, so isn't that cool? Yeah. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. I tell you the truth, everyone who acknowledges me publicly here on earth, the Son of Man, will also acknowledge in the presence of God's angels. But anyone who denies me here on earth will be denied before God and the angels. 
Anyone who speaks against the Son of Man can be forgiven, but anyone who blasphemes the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. And when you are brought to trial in the synagogues and before rulers and authorities, don't worry about how to defend yourself or what to say. The Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what needs to be said. Then someone called from the crowd, Teacher, tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me. And Jesus replied, Friend, who made me judge over you to decide such things as that? And he said, Beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. Isn't that good, guys? That is so good. This whole thing. Then he told them a story. A rich man had a fertile farm and that produced fine crops. He said to himself, What should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. Then he said, I know. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll have enough room to store all the wheat and other goods. And I'll sit back and say to myself, My friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool, you will die this very night, and who will get everything you worked for? Yes, a person is a fool to, stir, to store up earthly wealth, but not to have rich relationship with God. Wow. That's important, guys. It it's so better important. to have a relationship with God than to have all the money in the world. God gives us everything we need. Then, turning to his disciples, Jesus said, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food to eat or enough clothes to wear. For life is more than food and your body is more than clothing. Look at the ravens. They don't plant or harvest or store foods in barns. For God feeds them. And you are more valuable to him than any birds. Can all your worries as add a single moment to your life? And if worry can't accomplish a little thing like that, then what's the use of worrying over bigger things? Look at the lilies and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautiful as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for the flowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So God does care about what you wear, Saul. <laughs> And don't be concerned about what to eat or what to drink. Don't worry about such things. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers all over the world. But your father already knows your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and he will give you everything you need. Victor, anything? We don't have to worry about what we're going to eat for lunch. God's going to take care of it. Mm -hmm. So don't be afraid, little flock, for it gives your father great happiness to give you the kingdom, sell your possessions and give to those in need. This will store up treasure for you in heaven and the, and the purses of heaven never get old or develop holes. Wow. Your treasure will be safe. No thief can steal it and no moth can destroy it. Wherever your treasure is there, the, the, the desires of your heart will also be. Wow. wow. Be dressed for service and keep your lamps burning as though you were waiting for the master to return for the wedding feast. Then you will be ready to open the door and let him in the moment he arrives and knocks. The servants who are ready and waiting for his return will be rewarded. I tell you the truth. He himself will seat them. 
put on an apron and serve them as they sit and eat. He may come in the middle of the night or just before dawn, but whenever he comes, he will reward the servants who are ready. Understand this, if a homeowner knew exactly when a burglar was coming, he would not permit his house to be broken into. You also must be ready at all times, for the Son of Man will come when least expected. Peter asked, Lord, is that illustration just for us or for everyone? And the Lord replied, a faithful, sensible servant is one whom the master can give the responsibility of managing his other household servants and feeding them. If the master returns and finds that the servant has done a good job, there will be a reward. I tell you the truth, the master will put that servant in charge of, his, of all he owns. But what if the servant thinks my master will be, won't be back for a while and he begins beating the other servants, partying and getting drunk? The master will return unannounced and unexpected, and he will cut the servant in pieces and banish him with the unfaithful. And a servant who knows what the master wants, but isn't prepared and doesn't carry out the instructions, will be severely punished. But someone who does not know and then does something wrong will be punished only lightly. When someone has been given much, much will be required in return. And when someone has been entrusted with much, even more will be required. I have come to set the world on fire, and I wish it was already burning. I have a terrible baptism of suffering ahead of me, and I am under a heavy burden until it is accomplished. Do you think I have come to bring peace to the earth? No, I have come to divide people against each other. From now on, families will be split apart. Three in favor of me and two against, or two in favor and three against. Father will be divided against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother, and mother-in-law against daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. Then Jesus turned to the crowd and said, When you see clouds beginning to form in the west, you say, Here comes a shower. And you are right. When the south wind blows, you say, today will be a scorcher, and it is. You fools, you know how to interpret the weather signs of the earth and sky, but you don't know how to interpret the present times? Why can't you decide for yourselves what is right? When you are on your way to court with an accuser, try to settle the matter before you get there. Otherwise, your accuser may drag you before the judge, who will hand you over to the officers, who will throw you into prison. And if that happens, you won't be free again until you've paid every last penny. Chapter 13. About this time, Jesus was informed that Pilate had murdered some people from Galilee as they were offering sacrifices at the temple. Do you think those Galileans were worse sinners than all the other people from Galilee, Jesus asked? Is that why they suffered? Not at all. And you will perish too, unless you repent of your sins and turn to God. And what about the 18 people who died when the Tower of Siloam fell on them? Were they the worst sinners in Jerusalem? No, I tell you again, that unless you repent, you will perish too. Then Jesus told this story. A man planted a fig tree in his garden and came again and again to see if there was any fruit on it. But he was always disappointed. Finally, he said to the gardener, I've waited three years and there hasn't been a single fig. 
cut it down. It's just taking up space in my garden. And the gardener answered, Sir, give it one more chance. Leave it another year, and I'll give it special attention and plenty of fertilizer. And if we get figs next year, fine. If not, then you can cut it down. One Sabbath day, as Jesus was teaching in the synagogue, he saw a woman who had been crippled by an evil spirit. She had been bent double for 18 years and was unable to stand up straight. Then Jesus saw her. He called her over and said, Dear woman, you are healed of your sickness. Then he touched her and instantly she could stand straight. How she praised God. But the leader in charge of the synagogue was indignant that Jesus had healed her on the Sabbath day. There are six days of the week for working, he said to the crowd. Come on these days to be healed, not on the Sabbath. But the Lord said, replied, You hypocrites, each of you works on the Sabbath day. Don't you untie your ox or your donkey from its stall on the Sabbath day and lead it out for water? This dear woman, a daughter of Abraham, has been bent in bondage by Satan for 18 years. Isn't it right that she be released even on a Sabbath? This shamed his enemies, but all the people rejoiced at the wonderful things he did. Then Jesus said, What is the kingdom of God like? How can I illustrate it? It is like a mustard seed that a man planted in a garden. It grows and becomes a tree, and the birds make nests in its branches. That's how big it gets. It starts off small, but it gets really big. He also asked, What else is the kingdom of God like? It is like yeast that a woman is used in making bread. Even though she puts only a little bit in three measures of flour, it permeates through every part of the dough. Jesus went through the towns and villages, teaching as he went, always pressing on towards Jerusalem. Someone asked him, Lord, will only a few be saved? And he replied, Work hard to enter the narrow door of God's kingdom, for many will try to enter but will fail. When the master of the house has locked the door, it will be too late. You will stand outside knocking and pleading, Lord, open the door for us. But he will reply, I don't know you or where you come from. Then you will say, but we ate and drank with you and you taught in our streets. And he will reply, I tell you, I don't know you or where you come from. Get away from me, all you who do evil. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for you will see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you will be thrown out. And people will come from all over the world, from the east and the west, the north and the south, to take their place in the kingdom of God. And note this, some who seem least important now will be the greatest then, and some who are the greatest now will be the least important then. At that time, some of the Pharisees said to him, Get away from here if you want to live. Herod Antipas wants to kill you. And Jesus replied, Go tell that fox that I will keep casting out demons, healing people today and tomorrow, and the third day I will accomplish my purpose. Yes, today, tomorrow, and the next day, I will proceed on my way, for it won't do for a prophet of God to be killed except in Jerusalem. O oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones God's messengers, how often I have wanted to gather your children together 
as a hen protects her chicks beneath her wings. But you wouldn't let me. And now, look, your house is abandoned. And you will never see me again until you say, Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Chapter 14 One Sabbath day, Jesus went to eat dinner in the house of the leader of the Pharisees. And the people were watching him closely. There was a man there whose arm and legs were swollen. Jesus asked the Pharisees and experts in religious law, Is it permitted in the law to heal on the Sabbath day or not? When they refused to answer, Jesus touched the sick man and healed him and sent him away. Then he turned to them and said, Which of you doesn't work on the Sabbath? If your son or a cow falls into a pit, don't you rush and get him out? Again, the crowd could not answer. Then Jesus noticed that all who came to the dinner were trying to sit in the place of honor near the head of the table. He gave them this advice. When you are invited to a wedding feast, don't sit in the seat of honor. What if someone who is more distinguished than you has also been invited? The host will come and say, give this person your seat. Then you will be embarrassed and you will have to take whatever seat is left at the foot of the table. Instead, take the lowest place at the foot of the table. And when the host sees you, he will come and say, friend, we have a better place for you. Then you will be honored in front of all the other guests. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, but those who humble themselves will be exalted. Then he turned to his host. When you put on the luncheon or a banquet, he said, don't invite your friends, brothers, relatives, and rich neighbors, for they will invite you back and that will be your only reward. Instead, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. Then at the resurrection of the righteous... God will reward you for inviting those who cannot repay you. Hearing this, a man sitting at the table with Jesus exclaimed, What a blessing it will be to attend a banquet in the kingdom of God. And Jesus replied with a story. A man prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servant to tell the guests, Come, the banquet is ready. But they all began making excuses. One said, I just bought a field and must inspect it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five pair of oxen and I want to try them out. Please excuse me. Another said, I just got married, so I can't come. The servant returned and told his master what they had said. His master was furious and said, go quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. After the servant had done this, he reported, there is still room for more. So his master said, go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge anyone you can find to come so that the house will be full for none of those I first invited will get even the smallest taste of my banquet. The large crowd was following Jesus And he turned around and said to them, If you want to be my disciple, you must, by comparison, hate everyone else. Your father, mother, wife, and children, brother, and sister. Yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. But don't begin begin until you count the cost. 
For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if they have enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money, and then everyone will laugh at you. There's the person who started a building and couldn't afford to finish it. Or what king would go to war against another king without first sitting down with his counselors and discussing whether his army of 10,000 could defeat the 20,000 soldiers marching against him? And if he can't, he will send a delegation to discuss terms of peace while the enemy is still far away. So you cannot become my disciple without giving up everything you own. Salt is good for seasoning, but if it loses its flavor... How do you make it salty again? Flavorless salt is good for neither the soil nor nor the manure pile. You know what a manure pile is? Oh. A poop pile. A pile of poop. He said the salt is thrown away and anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. That means God wants us to be the salt of the world. He wants us to change everything that we touch and he wants us to be different and make everything better and if we if we lose that saltiness then we're not good for anything we're not even good for the pile of poop <laughs> all right luke 15 tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came and listened to jesus teach this made the pharisees and the teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people even eating with them So Jesus told them this story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Isn't that awesome? Wow. People, there are angels rejoicing for every one person that repents. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coin and loses one. Won't she light a lamp and sweep the entire house and search carefully until she finds it and when she finds it she will call her friends and neighbors and say rejoice with me because i have found my lost coin in the same way there is joy in the presence of god's angels when even one sinner repents that's awesome to illustrate that point further jesus told them this story a man had two sons a younger son told his father I want my share of the estate now before you die. So his father agreed and divided the wealth between his sons. A few days later, his younger son packed all of his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted his money in wild living. About that time, his money ran out. A great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him and the man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, 
and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both you and heaven, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet, and kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast, for the son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house, and he asked one of the servants, What is going on? Your brother is back, he was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, All these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. His father said to him, Look, dear son, you have always stayed by me, and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day, for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. Chapter 16 Jesus told this story to his disciples. There was a certain rich man who had a manager handling his affairs. One day a report came that the manager was wasting his employer's money. So the employer called him in and said, What's this I hear about you? Get your report in order because you're going to be fired. The manager thought to himself, Now what? My boss has fired me. I don't have the strength to dig ditches and I'm too proud to beg. Oh, I know. I know how to ensure that I'll have plenty of friends who will give me a home when I am fired. So he invited each person who owed money to his employer to come and discuss the situation. He asked the first one, how much do you owe him? And the man replied, I owe him eight gallons of olive oil. So the manager told him, take the bill and quickly change it to 400 gallons. And how much do you owe my employer? He asked the next man, I owe him a thousand bushels of wheat. Here the manager said, take the bill and change it to 800 bushels. The rich man had to admire the dishonest rascal for being so shrewd. And it is true that the children of the world are more shrewd in, in dealing with the world around them than the children of the light. Here's the lesson. Use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. Then when your possessions are gone, they will welcome you to an eternal home. If you are faithful in the little things, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. And if you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, 
Who will trust you with true riches of heaven? And if you are not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with things of your own? No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. And, and actually the King James Version, it says mammon, which was the false god of money. The Pharisees who dearly loved their money heard all this and scoffed at him. Then he said to them, you like to appear righteous in public, but God knows your hearts. What this world honors is detestable in the sight of God. Until John the Baptist, the law of Moses, and the message of the prophets were your guides. But now the good news of the kingdom of God is preached, and everyone is eager to get in. But that doesn't mean that the law has lost its force. It is easier for heaven and earth to disappear than for the smallest point of God's law to be overturned. For an example, a man who divorces his wife and marries someone else commits adultery. And anyone who marries a woman divorced from her husband commits adultery. Then Jesus said, There was a certain rich man who was splendidly clothed in purple and fine linens, and who lived each day in luxury. At his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus, who was covered with sores. As Lazarus laid there longing for scraps from the rich man's table, the dogs would come and lick his open sores. Finally, the poor man died and was carried by angels to sit beside Abraham at the heavenly banquet. The rich man also died, and was buried, and he went to the place of the dead. There in torment, he saw Abraham in the far distant with Lazarus at his side. The rich man shouted, Father Abraham, have some pity. Send Lazarus over here to dip the tip of his finger in the water and cool my tongue. I am in anguish in these flames. But Abraham said to him, Son, remember that during your lifetime, you had everything you wanted. And Lazarus had nothing. So now he is here being comforted and you are in anguish. And besides, there is a great chasm separating us. No one can cross over to you from here and no one can cross over to us from there. Then the rich man said, please, Father Abraham, at least send him to my father's home. For I have five brothers and I want him to warn them so they don't end up in a place of torment. But Abraham said, Moses and the prophets have warned them. Your brothers can read what they wrote. The rich man replied, No, Father Abraham, but if someone is sent to them from the dead, they will repent from their sins and turn to God. But Abraham said, If they won't listen to Moses and the prophets, they won't be persuaded even if someone rises from the dead. Wow. So if we don't believe what's written in the Bible... We're not going to believe in God, even if someone were, came back from the dead. So we should read the Bible and believe what's in it. Right, guys? Yeah. That's why we're doing this here. And that is all we're going to do today. We're going to stop here. We're going to pick it up next time. So why don't we all gather around? Let's pray. Let's bow our heads, close our eyes. Dear Lord Jesus, touch our hearts and minds today, God. Let your word seek deep into our heart, God. 
that it will plant inside of us and grow strong, God, for when we need it at times in our life, God. We thank you for spending time in your word today, God. We thank you for speaking to us through your word every day, God, that we can learn more about your characteristics by opening this book and reading about you, Lord. Thank you for letting us spend time with other people today and letting them listen to this broadcast. May it bless their life and touch their heart. And in Jesus' name we all pray, amen. amen. And until next time, we'll see you later. Say goodbye, guys. See you later.